Right. Welcome back, Jonah. It's been a little bit of a hiatus since you've been on here. You have you haven't been on in a fat minute. It's been too long. I know for sure. I I'm digging like the whiteboard action oh, behind you. you though. Thank you. Yeah, I'm in uh my room today. It's way too hot to do it outside, so I have to. I know. Go indoors. Y- yesterday was a freaking flamer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What are we gonna do today, Jonah? Well, the off season is pretty much entirely behind us and yes. we're still months away from the start of the regular season. Mm-hmm. So I thought it might be an appropriate time to hand out some grades and see who did well and who maybe could have done a little better this off season in yes. the Western conference. Yes. I just want to kind of preface this episode with the fact that Warriors got nobody that I wanted in the draft and the Sacramento Kings now are looking kind of nice this upcoming season and it's really depressing well, those, for me. Those are both teams that we will be talking about. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. What what team did you want to start with first? So I think we'll just go in alphabetical order and that means we will start with the Dallas Mavericks who they entered the offseason with cap space and aspirations of building off of their first round exit in seven games at the hands of the Los Angeles Clippers. But when many of the most coveted free agents on the market found homes within the opening hours of free agency, they were able to pivot into staying over the cap and re-signing Tim Hardaway Jr. to a sizable contract. I think that one was four years, $75 million. Uh, They got Reggie Bullock with the, uh, Mid-level exception. They oh, is that the dude from uh, the from the uh, New York? Yeah. Okay. They brought back Boban Marjanovic. They brought in Sterling Brown, and they acquired Moses Brown in a trade with the Celtics, where they sent away Josh Richardson. So, how do you, how do you think they did, Colin? I mean, that Tim Tim Hardaway he roasted the Warriors last year, so I feel like that's a pretty good guy to keep on your team. Yeah, and I think. They did the most with the resources they had and the circumstances they had this offseason. Like, mm-hmm. it's clear that Kyle Lowry and Mike Conley weren't interested in taking their money. He probably would have been, and obviously Kawhi would have been the three most desirable free agents. And after that, they really were left with no choice other than to just bring back Tim Hardaway Jr. and kind of run it back. That was their only option. But I think the real failure here is last offseason because last offseason, there are definitely were moves that they could have made. It was a much more robust free agent market, but instead they kept their powder dry, um, hoping to sign a Giannis Antetokounmpo or a Drew Holiday this yeah. summer. And obviously neither of those players went on to hit the open market. And they were really, the Mavericks were really all dressed up with no place to go. And they are going to be running it back once again next year. I mean, Getting Reggie Bullock, I think that's definitely an upgrade over Josh Richardson, certainly offensively. And Bullock, he holds his own on defense as well. So I think their offense will take a step forward as well. We should have mentioned this too, but they signed Luka Doncic to a five-year, $207 million extension. Crazy. The first rookie ever to sign a $200 million extension. So that, that looks pretty good. They've definitely secured their future there. Mm-hmm. And really, this is a team who you look at them and they conceivably could have made a title run last year. They lost in seven to the Clippers after. Again, right? Yeah. Well, the first year they lost in six to the Clippers. Oh, yeah. 
This year, they lost in seven to the Clippers with a healthy Kawhi. And without Kawhi, the Clippers took the Suns to six. And so you got to think that the Mavericks were right up there at the top of the Western Conference. And um, I agree. So although they did not do as well as they might have hoped this free agency, they're still going to be competitive next year. Maybe Kristaps Porzingis has a bit of a bounce back year. Um, also, Hopefully. <laughs> um, they hired Jason, Jason Kidd. And so, yeah, and that's sick. Nico Harrison as a GM. So those are a couple more macro moves they made over the offseason, neither of which I don't think moved the needle too much. If anything, Jason Kidd's probably a downgrade off of Carlisle, but you think they were probably just in need of some fresh blood at the coaching position. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how good of a three-point shooter Reggie Bullock was. Like, he wasn't bad last year. Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not the highest volume guy, but he definitely cashes in on the open ones for yeah. sure. Yeah, I remember when we played the when Warriors played the Knicks, he was pretty good. Is he's like a he's not a point guard, he's just a shooting guard. Yeah, he's a shooting guard. He'll probably come off the bench for them. I bet their starting lineup next year is gonna be Luca Hardaway. Yeah. Then Finney Smith, Kleba, Porzingis, or Porzingis at power forward and one of Willie Colley Steiner, Dwight Howell at center. I bet Bullock's gonna come off the bench. But him and Brunson should be a pretty good combination. Oh yeah, Brunson's a savage. And it remains to be seen whether or not they'll extend Jalen Brunson. I believe he is eligible as well this summer. Usually yeah. guys of that caliber don't get their rookie extensions, but mm-hmm. we'll wait and see on that. Um, yeah, so pretty much just maintaining the status quo for the Mavericks this offseason. I think they probably got a little better by swapping out um, by swapping out uh, Block and Richardson. I think retaining Luca was obviously kind of fait accompli, but... Um, that's obviously the move they had to make as well. I think retaining Tim Hardaway Jr., that's probably better than anything they could have done with cap space. I mean, maybe Dinwiddie would have come there, but that's definitely more of a gamble. Um, I can understand where they're coming from by... Like with injuries? Yeah, with injuries and just... um, He's not the shooter Hardaway is, and he's a little bit more of an on-ball player. So the fit with Luka, I think probably would have worked out. I I think that would be just fine, but it's a little bit more of a, you don't quite know what you're going to be getting. Whereas like Hardaway, he played so well for him last year, as yeah. you mentioned earlier, that it just is kind of um, the safer play. I think I'd give the Mavericks a C for this off season. Okay. I'll write it down. You give him a C. Well, I mean, you're not going to give him a little bit of a boost with the bar, with the Boban Marjanovic. That's kind of big. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad they could lock in that third string center, but um, <laughs> yeah, not quite getting me excited. Uh, so, should we move on to the Nuggets? Another team who had a yeah, let's get to the Nuggets. Somewhat uneventful offseason. We'll take a look at what they did. Um, they brought back Will Barton two years, $32 million. Yeah. They re signed Michael Green, re signed Austin Rivers. They got Jeff Green with the. Uh, that's good. I want to say it was the mini mid level. I think it was around five million dollars a year. Um, yeah, two years, ten million, so five mil a year. So that's, I think that's a good move. Um, mm-hmm. Is he better than Paul Millsap? Offensively, I bet he's a little bit better. Defensively, I think it's a pretty severe drop off, especially at this point in Jeff Green's career. Um, he was not. Um, he got played off the floor basically for the Nets. 
last year, um, especially with Blake Griffin starting instead. Um, it seemed like even Blake Griffin was holding up better on that end of the court than Jeff Green was. I, I'm not quite sure about that, but I think he fits just fine with Jermichael Green. They'll probably be running that um, yep. small ball unit again. And they have Zeke Nagy, who's kind of that similar mold of player, just kind of a in-between forward center, just kind of one of those six pin guys who can space the floor as well. So him, so between Najee, Jeff Green, and Jermichael Green, I think they'll be able to work out some sort of um, ethos in terms of a bench front court. But overall, yeah. what do you, what did you think of the Nuggets moves, Colin? Um, I think that they like Will Barton. I don't know. You, he's pretty good, right? He's like thirty now, though. But I mean, yeah, I, I think that he's, he's a bit injury player. prone. What's up? He's a bit injury prone, but they really yeah. he's a little bit injury prone. But they they really needed somebody like that, just another guard who can kind of create his own shot and play with the ball in his hands. Because between like Monte Morris, Facundo Campazzo, Austin Rivers, like. The Nuggets have one of, if not the worst, guard rotation in the league. And even the even if Will Barton's not some mm-hmm. like world beater, and two years, thirty-two million, that's probably a bit of an overpay to bring him back. Um, which is that's fine, but um, like they just desperately needed some capable guard, and he's kind of a tweener, two or three. I think he's like six six, and he can shoot. He plays off of Jokic pretty well, so I. I think he's a guy they had to bring back. I'm glad that yeah. they brought him back. I think they're better for it. It's probably a bit of an overpay. Who knows how many mm-hmm. games he'll play, but I think that's a fine move for them. What do you think? Of, do you know much about Nashawn Highland? Yeah, so I know a lot of people are very high on him. I haven't. I didn't really watch any VCU basketball. <laughs> uh, I, I can't speak on him too much. He's, he's definitely a great shooter. Uh, very small guy, just a very slim frame doesn't look like he'll put on much weight uh, probably is not going to be nba ready in the slightest his first year just because i think this nuggets team is probably bad enough defensively if they don't need another rail thin guard in the rotation will he get playing time over like austin rivers mm-hmm. on the stat on the second unit probably not at least not at first but i think it's an interesting project a lot of guys a lot of like draft experts who i respect are very big fans of bones highland and so i mean i think for the 26 overall pick i think that's a pretty good selection but i don't really think that moves the needle this year yeah what did the mavericks do to not have any picks this year i think that's part of the uh porzingis trade from the oh dude that's gonna yeah what what's porzingis's contract look like uh he signed the max contract extension two summers ago so he's still got quite a bit left on that another thing i wish the nuggets might have handled differently Mm -hmm. is we know that um i wish they would have maybe they let go of javel mcgee i would have almost preferred that they got a replacement for him like i think the um small ball back or or small ball front court is certainly like good in theory like between jamichael green jeff green zeke nausea michael porter jr that's a lot of guys who are like between yeah. six to eight and six ten who they can kind of tinker around with and try to find something that works. But we already know the limitations their starting unit has defensively. It would have been nice to just sort of have one of those kind of anchors on the um on the bench. So whether they had gone after like a Robin Lopez would have been pretty awesome for them to have, or even like a Hassan Whiteside, just 
one of those like straight rim protecting type of players. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of a lot of different ways that um, this could go wrong for them, especially with the bench unit, like I was saying earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, though, this is kind of just a lost season for the Nuggets. Like they won't have Jamal Murray for at least the first part of the season, and so this is probably if if they're thinking about contention and they're thinking about like their best years, they're probably thinking about like the 2023 season, the 2024 season. And so I don't think they put quite as much stock into this season, which is probably why the roster is not as cohesive as you might expect from a team that in theory should be as good as the Nuggets. I think this year they're probably punting on for the most part, which is understandable. But um, I do think that there are a lot of flaws on this roster. So in terms of a grade, um, the Will Barton thing is just fine. Jermichael Green, I he was good for him last year. I think that was good that they brought him back. The Bones Highland pick, uh, again, I think that's solid for 26 overall. You're not going to get, you're not going to be like drafting a home run at 26 overall. So I right. think Highland's a good guy to kind of take a flyer on. Austin Rivers bringing him back, I thought was a pretty good move because they're so thin at guard and he had some pretty good moments for them for the Nuggets last year. And then Jeff Green, I thought I liked that signing quite a bit for him as well. Overall, they still just have so many like different holes on the roster. I don't like that they let um, JaVel McGee go for nothing. Uh, I don't like that they didn't even try to replace him. I'll give the Nuggets, give them another C. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll write that down. Yeah, that sucks. Do you think they're going to even make the playoffs? Oh, yeah. I think they'll make the playoffs. Um, Damn. Okay. Two Cs. All right. And that brings us to the Golden State Warriors, who, um, unlike the first two teams we discussed, the Golden State Warriors had quite an eventful free agency, or not only free agency, but also just offseason overall. And I'll let you kind of guide this discussion. Where do you want to start with the Golden State Warriors? I think we should start with bringing back the main man. I mean, yeah, obviously, sure. he, was ne- he was never going anywhere, but I feel like, I don't know. Yeah, sure. And now they've walked him down until he is 30, was it 37 or 38 the last year? I think it's 38, right? The last year of that contract. Mm-hmm. He becomes the first player in NBA history to sign two separate deals worth $200 million. And I Crazy. mean, I think nobody is kind of thinking that this is going to be like some tremendous value for Golden State. I don't think there has ever been any 37-year-old basketball player who's worth $60 million. And I think Steph Curry is unlikely to be the first. But I mean, this is obviously something they have to do. Like he's a franchise legend who's going to retire as a warrior in right. all likelihood. And so, yeah, I, I think even though this is probably going to look like a bad contract by the end of it, um, it's hard to criticize them at all. And so I won't. You won't what? Won't criticize them. Yeah, exactly. We bring back I- Iggy too. Let's go. Yeah, the Andre, they, the Andre Iguodala signing was solid. I like the auto quarter signing as well yeah. in free agency. Um, they also signed Nemanja Bjelica, who uh, we'll talk about those three guys later. I guess now we, we should probably pivot to the most important part of their offseason, which was the draft, where they right. selected Jonathan Kaminga, 
at number seven, and much to the disappointment of one Bob Myers, it was Moses Moody who was <laughs> available at 14. Yeah. What did you, what were your initial thoughts? Well, the Kaminga one, it really doesn't make too much sense yeah. to me because I, I think I would have personally gone with somebody who I thought was ready to play this year. And there were players like that who were available, but instead they went Amen. with the long-term project type of player, which, I mean, I, I think that's fine too. I think that's a route that I advise for many teams is just to take like the highest upside, most talented player that you think is left available. And I, I'm sure that's what the Warriors did in selecting Kaminga. My main problem with it though, is if you take this kind of player, like this super raw young type of guy, you're going to need to develop him. And as we know, the easiest way to develop these raw guys, and this is kind of what Oklahoma city has been doing and Houston and all these teams is just to give them as much playing time as possible and sort of ride through the highs and lows, which obviously the Warriors won't be able to do that with Kaminga because right. they have real aspirations for this year. And Kaminga um, is frankly not a part of those aspirations. And so he's not going to get that opportunity right off the bat. And I mean, that's fine because, you know, there's plenty of other ways to develop young players besides um, actually playing in real NBA games. But frankly, the Warriors have not exactly done super well in that category over the past half decade either. When we look at um, like the last like how many players have they drafted that are just completely out of the league within five years? Like Jacob Evans, they spent the first round. Oh my Alan, gosh. Yeah. That's Alan right. Smiley-Gooch is already out of the league. Jordan Bell is already out of the league. Eric Pascal, they just traded away for basically nothing. Kavon Looney is kind of he's hanging in there, hanging on by a thread. Um, hey. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of players as well. I mean, like James Wiseman hasn't necessarily been, um, like off to an amazing start. Uh, so, <laughs> really small sample size. Got to remember that, Jonah. I mean, that's kind of the point. Like, there's yeah. Sample size guy, but, um, but yeah, it's um, so. Is this the best situation for Kaminga to succeed? No. Is he going to get playing time? No. Is he on a um, like? It's not like this is like the Spurs or the Pelicans or like the Raptors or the Heat where. The, where there's like a very high track record of like turning these raw, um, highly athletic players into like actual NBA like stars or starters or rotation right. players. Like the Warriors just don't have that track record. And so I don't necessarily think this is a very good place for Kaminga to succeed. And I, I mean, theoretically, let's say, let's say he does, let's say he does succeed. Like let's say Kaminga turns into a perfectly fine NBA player and like by the age of like 25 he's like a starting level player I mean that's the year that you have a 37 year old Steph Curry on a 55 million dollar contract so pretty much no matter what you're gonna stop you know because like you're paying a guy who's almost 40 half the salary cap and so like even if Kaminga does turn out well there's still no way that the Warriors are going to like succeed as a result of it because there's just not going to be enough flexibility left to build out a um, competitive roster. And so, I mean, I think the one reason Kaminga makes sense is like if they want to make a trade because they definitely are eyeing Ben Simmons. I imagine they're still kind of 
monitoring the Bradley Beal situation. And so I think it was probably um, advisable with that in mind to take the best player on the board because, I mean, having Kaminga um, probably gives you more um, of a bargaining chip in trades than, like, I don't know, had they drafted, like, a Davion Mitchell or a Chris Dude. Duarte with Dude. the seven overall pick. But I think the chance... God dang, <laughs> Why? I hate this move. The, the the Bradley Beal thing, that's not like legit though, right? That wouldn't make any sense. Unless you want to win. Like winning a championship now, yes. But in the long run, like that doesn't really make too much sense, right? I mean, what do the Warriors have in the long run? Like all their... Like, well, we we I could mean, hit on when, Kuminga. When, like, when, when is the next time that they're going to have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green? Like, the, yeah. the, like uh, they have to maximize. They have to maximize the next two years. Like, you can't, yeah. Would, I, you can't like punt on the last couple of years of Steph Curry because you want to build a team around James Wiseman. Well, no. <laughs> so I, I think if they get a chance to even marginally increase their upside in the next two years, I think they have to do it, even if that involves like trading Kaminga or trading Wiseman or like trading future picks. I, I think that's a pretty easy decision to make, honestly. Well, what would a package look like to get um, Bradley? I mean, it probably would just be everything. And just like Wiseman, Kuminga? And Picks and Wiggins. What, what would be more realistic, Ben Simmons or Bradley? Ben Simmons. Really? More realistic. For the who's, the, who's the front runner for Ben, do you think? If at all, any anyone. I think right now, like the teams that come up in the rumors the most seem to be Blazers. No, not the Blazers. It seems to be the Kings, Timberwolves, and Warriors. What would the Kings give up? Because they already have so many young assets. Yeah, it would probably have to be one of Halliburton or Mitchell and then a bunch of picks. Yeah, dang. Which, I mean, that wouldn't be the worst thing. No. Because it's not like they can play Fox, Halliburton and Mitchell together anyway. And so Wait. getting one of them to get Vincent, yeah. I think that would be, that wouldn't be the worst thing either. Where's Buddy? Is he still there? Yeah, he's still in Sacramento. Yeah. But were, were, weren't there like talks of him maybe like leaving? Yeah, he was who the Lakers had their eye on before they yeah. ended up getting Westbrook. Yeah, I don't get that one. Whatever. Either, yeah. <sighs> That's going to be interesting. I hope Kuminga pans out, but I really wanted somebody that they could play now. Do you think Moody's ready to play now? Yeah, I think Moody's a lot closer than Kuminga is. I like what I've seen from Moody in the summer league as well. Uh, he seems he's got good size; he can shoot it. I I think he's going to be possibly a rotation player this year. It just it'll be curious to see how it shakes out because the forwards right now, as it stands, are going to be Wiggins. Raymond and Wanda yep. Anderson. And so maybe um, that last one's kind of up for grabs, whether it's like Kaminga or Moses Moody or Otto Porter Jr. Or if it's Andre Iguodala, it'll be curious to see. When are we going to see Justinian and Jessup enter the league? Yeah, I, I was high on Jessup because I liked what I saw from him in Australia. And so far in summer, he's just been horrible. So Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it was very disappointing. I thought very highly of him. I thought he was going to be. Yeah, uh, me too. I he was going to play for the Warriors this year, but that seems to be less and less likely each yeah. time he gets on the court. But uh, let's talk about some of these other moves they made. What did you think of the three free agency signings and 
more importantly, or maybe less importantly, what it meant for the rest of the roster. Can you tell me more about uh, Otto? Yeah, so he, he sh- he's got a few problems. The first one is that he just can't stay on the court. He's constantly getting injured. And then he also is... Um, Who's he, he on? Had, he was on the Magic Box, yeah. Oh, okay. And he also has the tendency to kind of gain a little weight during his periods of inactivity. And so that is another um, another sort of variable you have to look out for with him. But when he's in shape and playing, like he's a very capable 3 and D player. He's got a lot of size. He can defend yeah. full forward positions. Like he's just the kind of guy you want on your team. So I think as a minimum signing like that, that's a very worthwhile gamble. Of the, of the three guys they picked up in free agency, he's probably – like my favorite. I thought that was a pretty good move for the Warriors. I know. it. How interesting would it be? Well, because like the Iguodala thing is fine, but I, I don't know. Iggy's old. How old is he? 36? Yeah. Around there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I wanna, I, what's up? I think, I think Iggy's pretty washed at this point. Yeah. What, what about the what about the other cat? As and you can say the same about Bielitsa. I think he's obviously had the Pascal replacement. Both of them are offensive power forwards. Um, is Bielitsa better than Pascal is? I think for this year you'd probably have to say so. He's a better shooter, a more intelligent player, which seems to be the two things that Golden State values the most, especially as like a bench player. So mm-hmm. I think he probably gives them a better chance to win now than Pascal would have. I don't think either of them really would have cracked the rotation. Like, frankly, Otto Porter, Andre Iguodala, and especially Juan Toscano-Anderson are better than either of those players. But, I mean, I guess Bielitsa is a worthwhile player as, like, your last minimum contract. I probably would have kept Pascal instead just because they play the same position there. Like, Pascal's not that much worse than Bielitsa is, and he's a lot younger, but... I mean, I, I can see where they're going with Bielitz. So what, what really, um, I wanted to give the Warriors a low grade for this offseason, and I really couldn't because, like, most of the stuff that they did wrong that led to this offseason maybe being a slight, like, disappointment or having just that sort of feel to it, uh, most of that stuff was kind of predetermined. And really, a lot of it was, like, stuff I sort of predicted. And I know I give, like, more advice to the Warriors than... um. I do to maybe other teams, mostly just to uh, antagonize my wonderful co-host here. <laughs> but um, like I, I could have told you 12 months ago that like there's nothing special about Eric Pascal, and I'm sure they could have gotten a hell of a lot more from than a protected second round pick back then, as he was just coming off of that first team All Rookie. Like his stock was at an all time high back then. And if you're gonna trade the guy, I think you could have gotten a much better return a year ago instead of letting him ride the bench and then get hurt for all of this season. So that seems like kind of a delayed reaction that, I mean, I probably could have seen that one coming. And then the other one is Kelly Oubre. We have the big trade deadline show and I repeatedly warned the Warriors that, you know, you better, you better look into trading Oubre or else you risk losing him for nothing in the off season. And that is in fact, what wound up happening. And maybe that was, a conscious decision by um, Joe Laker, Bob Myers, and ownership in front office in general to cut down on the spending. Like the team was ridiculously expensive last year, but if they were really looking to like maximize their team quality in this 2021-22 season, 
like you think that rather have a $10 million player, whether it's like Tomas Sadaransky or Thad Young or the numerous other players they could have traded Kelly Oubre for, they yeah. definitely would have rather had like a quality rotation player than not. And so, I mean, that's, it seemed like a no brainer at the time to move Kelly Oubre. And it certainly seems so now because they just lost him for nothing. Yep. So he's on the Carolina now. I mean, Charlotte. Yeah, dude. That sucks. It's whatever. So is our starting lineup just going to be like, hopefully clay Steph, Draymond, Iguodala, Wiseman. Yeah. Or probably Wiggins instead of Iguodala. Oh yeah. Wig Andrew. Yeah. And I, I don't know if Wiseman's going to be ready. Um, oh yeah. True. That might be Looney. Oh yeah. Looney I, I, or, or Draymond I, could play five. Yeah, I don't know if he really wants to do that, though. Yeah, I know. We don't really have a center. No. <laughs> I, I don't know if Wiseman's going to be healthy, and then I also don't know if he's just going to be good enough. Like, yeah. This is kind of the conflict we've been talking about for the last few years, that the well, Warriors Kent are... Too. That, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Bazemore was solid from last year. I, mm-hmm. I think he... I wonder if he would have come back, because you'd probably rather have him than make a doll in quarter. But anyway, this is kind of the... Um, the limit of the Warriors have been in the last couple of years is they're trying to win. They're trying to maximize um, their time left with Stephen Curry, but all these young players, like whether it's Kaminga or Wiseman, they are not ready to kind of play that role yet. And so you kind of have to compromise between developing these high lottery picks and actually playing like quality basketball. And so that's just that kind of. It really sucks we don't have Kelly, bro. I like yeah. Ubre. He seemed to like the Warriors too. Yeah, I mean, Bob Myers has certainly made quite a few mistakes the past few years. We didn't even get into um get into like passing up Lamelo Ball, but uh, yeah, I know it that is, looks it is what it is. that um, looks tough now. Yeah, for sure. But that's so, en- yeah, that's enough with the Warriors, bro. In terms just- of an off-season grade for the Warriors, I mean, I'll give them. I'll give him a B minus. No, I'll give him a C plus. I was gonna say like I was gonna give him a B minus. Yeah, they really did the best with what they had. Like all their minimum signings were solid. Uh, Moses Moody is a great pick. A great pick at number fourteen. That, that was very nice. Uh, Coming at seven, like um, solid value. I probably could have gotten a better fit. I'm not really sure where they're headed with that, but just in terms of a value play, that's just fine. But letting Kelly Oubre go for nothing, letting Kent Bazemore go for, go for nothing and replacing them with players who are worse isn't exactly the yeah. best. And then, um, yeah, so overall, I see plus, slightly above average for the Warriors. It sucks. All right, so that brings us to the Rockets. You had a very busy draft night, and <laughs> it did quite well, I, I would say. They, they're going to look totally different this next year. Yeah. Um, but in more of an exciting way. And so for the Rockets, I guess we will start out with that draft where they took Jalen Green at two, Alperin Shangan at 16, Usman Garuba at 23 with a pick they got from the Portland Trailblazers, and Josh Christopher at 24. Jeez. And in three they re-signed David Nwaba. Three years, 15 mil, which seems like 
that's a lot of David Nwaba. Um, they brought <laughs> that they brought in Daniel Tice for four years on about um, nine mil a year, and yeah, that was their offseason. They've still got a few roster spots left to hand out. Um, I assume they're monitoring some of the guys they have last year in the summer league. Um, I'll pick a couple of those players, but yeah, overall, I guess we might as well start with the draft because that was kind of their, the most important like part of their offseason. And obviously Jalen Green is, seems to be a star in the making. And yeah. What did you think of the players they were able to bring in? Well, they're just, their roster, like you said, is going to be completely different, but Jalen Green, like I was watching him, he's kind of a savage. I had no idea who he was before the draft, honestly. But yeah, so yeah. Jalen Green, I think, was clearly the right choice at number two. Um, I think in most drafts, especially last year, um, he would probably be the number one overall pick. So to get him at number two, got to be pretty happy about that. Alfred Schengen was a guy I was not really a fan of headed into the draft, but to get him at number 16, I think that's pretty good, especially considering what they traded to move up to number 16, which is basically two very highly protected first round picks. I think one of them was the wizard pick they got in the uh, John Wall trade. And I think it was probably a Nets one was the other one. So to trade those two picks um, to move up was um, like very solid, especially considering how well Shingen has looked in summer league and whether or not that will translate into the real NBA is another question, but I think it's a pretty um, low risk, high reward move. So I'm all for that. Usman Garuba at number 23. Uh, that's another kind of interesting one. Um, yeah. He was a great defender in one of the best basketball leagues in the world. He played in the Spanish league and um, for Real Madrid and absolutely wrecked havoc defensively there. Um, but, you know, these smaller, um, offensive limited, offensively limited, like defensive forwards, they, like not everybody can be the next Draymond Green and right. very few are. And so like, it's going to be a tough road for Garuba to succeed in the NBA. But at 23, he's definitely got some upside with that defense. So I think that's fine. And then Josh Christopher out of Arizona State at number 24, a very um, athletic sort of combo guard. Uh, he's not going to get the most opportunities in Houston right away just because the backcourt between Kevin Porter Jr., John Wall, now they've got Jalen Green. It's a little bit crowded, but he's shown some stuff in summer league, so he'll be an interesting guy to keep an eye on. I think going for that athleticism and talent with the 24th pick is totally fine. So all in all, I'm a pretty big fan of what they were able to do on draft day. I know. Yeah, they they've, they acquired like so many picks and stuff this last season, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. But I hopefully they end up getting back into. Can I mean it's probably gonna take a while before they get back into contention, but oh, yeah. it, it's good yeah. to get rid of like because obviously James didn't want to be there, and it's just gonna yeah. be kind of fun to watch them rebuild because they were such a freaking yeah. like big part of the Western Conference for so long there, especially when James was there. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. And like you said, it's gonna be a while before they regain that prominence. But I think they got off to a good start this offseason. Yeah. And I think Jalen Green is definitely the kind of guy you build your franchise around so obviously great pick there and then they just brought in a lot of like very not versatile but like 
they run just a wide variety of different types of players. Like Alfred Schengen is like a very highly skilled offensive center. Usman Garuba is kind of like a Swiss army knife defensively. Josh Christopher is just kind of a super athletic combo guard. So just kind of a wide variety of different types of players. Like yeah. Daniel Tyson, I'm kind of, kind, of, kind of confused about what he's going to be doing there, seeing as how they already have Christian Wood. It doesn't really seem like the most natural fit, but the contract is very good value. Like four years, 36 mil for Daniel Tyson. I've got no problem with that. I think it's more likely than not that they'll trade him before. Well, they'll surely trade him before the end of the contract, but in all likelihood, trade him before the start of next season. And so, I mean, getting him on that value contract will probably enable them to get even more assets and possibly more draft capital before too much longer. So that's a pretty good move. Yeah, all in all, a very successful offseason for Houston. Yeah. The Dan and Tice, he's there to get boards, baby. That's yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a very he's a very good son. And so um yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like Daniel. He's fine. Yeah. I think there are a number of teams who I think would be happy to have him. Um, right. I think overall, eh? I think we'll give the Rockets, we'll give them, I think we've got to give them an A for this offseason. I think, All right. I think they did very well. They, Best one yet. They did a good job of navigating the draft, especially um, the trades they made in the draft. They got they didn't get ripped off at all. In fact, I think they probably won the trade they made with the Thunder to get Shangun. And then at the picks they at the picks they were selecting from, I think they got pretty good value and pretty good players, which is with each of them. And then to cap it off, the Tice contract is gonna look pretty good. So yeah, I think A minus. Um A minus? Yeah. I think right. A minus. Dang, let's go. Pretty well. Uh, Clippers are up next. Another team who had a very solid um, offseason. Who? The Clippers. Oh yes, sir. Yeah, they get like uh, what what was the whole thing with Kawhi? Like he like yeah, turned he, down he, something, and then yeah, he's gonna be coming back. He turned down his player option, so he's yeah. gonna sign a new contract with the Clippers. But we're still waiting to see what the details of that are gonna be. But in the meantime, they brought back Reggie Jackson, two years, $20 million. They mm-hmm. brought in Justice Winslow with the mid-level. That's two years, eight mil. And then Nick Batum, two years, six mil, which that seems like way too small of a contract for Batum to be signing. But great value for the Clippers. And they they were another team who are very busy on draft night. They traded a future second and their own first-round pick to the New York Knicks to move up to number 21, where they selected Keon Johnson, which... He's a guy who I watched a lot of um, in college, and I'm a very big fan of what he can do. Um, a very athletic, defensively skilled six foot five shooting guard. Um, he's still pretty raw, can't shoot, but he's a very similar prospect to a uh, Terrence Mann, and they were able to get Terrence Mann to learn to shoot. And so, if Keon Johnson is able to work on that outside shot, like this ceiling is very high for him. So I thought. That was a great, great value in trading up. They didn't pay too much to trade up in the draft. I think it was one of those future piston picks they got as part of the Canard deal. So they didn't overpay to move up in the draft. They had a guy who they wanted and they were able to get him. And I, I thought that was a wonderful piece of business for the Clippers. Uh, Jason Preston at number 33 in the second round. He's a guy who um, I don't know much about, but 
um, point guard from Ohio. He played really well in March Madness, and um, he might be able to step in at backup point guard right away. It it is a little crowded in the Clippers guard rotation, so who knows? But I think he's um, going to be better this year than maybe yeah. Kevin Johnson is, and so I think he's a guy who you can maybe trust your bench unit with. And then BJ Boston at number BJ. fifty-one, um, which uh, pretty much inconsequential. I don't really think anybody's expecting too much from Brandon Boston, but um, he was a very <laughs> highly ranked recruit, kind of flamed down in college. So you think maybe there's some untapped potential there, and he has shown a few sparks in summer league. And so as a number fifty-one overall pick, I think that is just fine. And then obviously great value. Well, maybe not great value on Justice Winslow. I like that they brought in Justice Winslow. The opportunity cost was pretty much nothing because they had that money anyway. So, might yeah, you got to give it to somebody. So maybe maybe you should have given it to the team after the season he had for them last year. But um, yeah, yeah. But I'm just like looking up all these players as you're saying them because <laughs> I've like never heard of them before. Yeah, but I, I remember Keon though from the tournament. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, I think- that no. was a great pick for them, I thought. And then um, we'll have to wait to see what it is with Kawhi Leonard, but the Batum and Jackson signings were... Yeah, Batum, off. he's solid for them, and I'm surprised yeah. they only they got him for so cheap. Yeah, I'm sure he turned down higher offers because I can't imagine like the Lakers, for instance, or definitely the Warriors or the Blazers didn't offer him much more than what he got from the Clippers, but he um, kind of revived his career in LA. Oh. Speaking of the Lakers, though, dog, the roster's stacked as hell. Yeah, and we'll get to them in a minute. <laughs> like, their roster's crazy. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting one to talk about. But um, with the Clippers, do you have anything left to say or should we get into a grade for them? No, nah, dude, screw the Clippers. Let's talk about the Lakers, bro. I think, well, for the Clippers, <laughs> I'm, they're, it's obviously an incomplete because we're going to wait to see what they do with yeah. Kawhi Leonard um but Justin I mean that Reggie Jackson that's kind of a lot for Reggie Jackson but again no opportunity off but it'll be easier to trade it if they want to and I mean he was a great player for them in the playoffs so yeah I was just about to say that he was actually kind of good for him I'll give them a I'll give them an A minus as well they had a very very solid offseason clips get an A minus baby all right yep so uh-huh. let's move on to the Los Angeles Lakers, who, as you alluded to, were quite active um, this offseason. Yeah, very active. They have freaking Kendrick Nunn, dog. Like, what? Yeah. Kendrick Nunn's a, they, a beast. So they traded um, for Russell Westbrook. I think this turned out to be, what was it, a five-team trade? It included the Wizards, the Nets, the Spurs, and the Pacers, and I'm not even going to try to um, work out the intricacies of that trade on this <laughs> podcast, but just how it affects the Lakers. They gave up the 22nd overall pick, which turned out to be, um, was it Isaiah Jackson, I want to say, and he went to the Pacers, if memory serves. It's all been such a blur, but I, I think that's... Yeah, uh, he, went to the, he went to the Pacers. I think that's the way I went. Um, and then they also traded away, obviously, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrez Harrell. Yeah, were they? Uh, they all went to Washington. Yeah, okay. And then, yeah, like you said, 
they were very busy in free agency. They re-signed Kalen Horton-Tucker. They used the mid-level on Kendrick Nunn. And with minimum contracts, they got <gasps> Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, Wayne Ellington, Kendrick, <laughs> Anthony, Malik Monk. And so they <laughs> very, um, like, yeah, Rob Polinka was a very busy <laughs> season. Got a lot of deals worked out. What do you think of that roster, Colin? Man, I, I don't know how much Russell's going to do in the postseason, but, I mean, you got Kent Bazemore knocking down those corner three balls. Malik Monk is just, like, he could – I feel like at any point, maybe he could show potential there. And then Dwight Howard, I don't know. But Carmelo, with that fadeaway baby who's so good on the Blazers, you never know. He might have one more good year left to take him to a title. And then Kendrick Nunn, I absolutely loved him on the Heat. He was like one of my favorite players to watch. And then um, I don't know much about THT. Yeah, so they got a wide variety of players. The thing that I just can't wrap my head on around is, I mean, Rob Polinka and LeBron James obviously has some say in this too. But they really seem to think the cure to what ails them is a point guard, <laughs> a point guard who can't shoot because they they went for Dennis Shooter last year and then they replaced him with Russell Westbrook this year and <laughs> both times they traded a first round pick for it and both times they traded away a starter. It was Danny Green the first time and Kent Bazemore the or not Kent Bazemore, Kent Bazemore Pope the second time. And so um, just very. Like, I knew you weren't going to be a fan of this. Yeah. Because, like, everybody, like, all these, like, get so much hype or whatever. And all I think about is Jonah just shaking his head, like, dude, this is adding another another non shooter to a roster who already has LeBron James, who, um, not some phenomenal shooter. Anthony Davis doesn't really shoot it either. Anthony Davis insists on playing power forward. So, you're going to be playing another center on that center, whether it's Gasol or Dwight Howard presumably won't be able to shoot either. And so this is just going to be a shooting starved team. Uh, and Russell Westbrook, he can't even shoot mid-rangers. All he ever does is just drive recklessly to the basket. And, um, I mean, yeah, I hope like you're going to need to be wearing helmets throwing Russell Westbrook and like, I don't know, Marcus all just conk heads in the paint every possession. <laughs> It just makes very little sense at all. And on top of that, Russell Westbrook is even a worse defender than Dennis Schroeder was. And they traded away Contavious Pablo Pope and Alex Caruso, who were their best guard defenders after they got lit up by Devin Booker and Chris Paul in the playoffs last year. And so really just, it's just such a disaster this offseason was for the Los Angeles Lakers. And they still have LeBron James. They still have Anthony Davis. Those are two of the 10 best players in the league. And so if those two are healthy and playing to their full capabilities, this is still going to be an incredibly solid team and a a tier one championship contender. But they definitely did not do themselves any favor with the Westbrook trade. And bringing in Westbrook is bad enough, but the players they have to give up, especially Contavious Caldwell Pope. Caldwell Pope was such an important part of their title run in 2020. And he was a very a very important star for him. He was their third best player at times over the past couple of years. And so getting rid of him just feels like an just so um so um just confusing. And then you have Kyle Kuzman and Montrez Hero, like that's whatever. Like I bashed them for the Montrez Hero signing when it happened last year and this Seems like in it. Well, if signing Andre Drummond wasn't an admission that that was a mistake, and then they, <laughs> they, go, 
and then benching Hero in the playoffs, trading him away. It certainly seems like Rob Plink is admitting that was a mistake, which of course it was. And um, um, yeah, getting rid of Kyle Kuzma, that's really neither here nor there. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? I was going to say something about, uh, oh man, I forget what I was going to say, but also like injuries, like their team looks good on paper, but as soon as like AD, like can AD play a full season? And then like, probably not. Then even LeBron at this, I mean, he's LeBron's pretty solid, but I mean, anything can happen. And then Russell is just, yeah, I don't know, dude. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, and they did do a good job on the free agency market. Like Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, right. Dan Ellington, Kent Bazemore. Like those are awesome guys to sign for the minimum. Kendrick Nunn, like that's solid for the mid-level. Um, Mello, at a minimum, nothing wrong with that. Malik Monk, that was probably the crown jewel of their offseason, getting him for the minimum. Like that's incredible. And then Taylor Horton Tucker re-signing. Like I know they're very high on what Taylor Horton Tucker can do. Would you rather have him or have brought back Caruso? Uh, Dude, didn't Caruso do – he did a pretty good job against Steph in that playoff game. Yeah, I I think – well, playing game, but I think – Oh, oh, you want to go there? Okay, cool, sick. Yeah, I think you'd probably rather have Caruso, honestly. Uh, But, I I mean, that's that's totally fine. Like, I think it's more of an eye of – that's more of an eye of the beholder sort of issue. I think – keeping Taylor instead of Caruso. I mean, you could have kept them both, but if, if you're choosing between them, I think it's just fine to choose <laughs> THP. So what are we going with here? F? I think, no, not F, <laughs> because they did, they did do good with the free agency, but I think yeah. the Westbrook thing is such a disaster. I'll give them, and just not knowing, just not knowing what the strengths and weaknesses of their teams are, just like not 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 understanding the types of players they need to fit around LeBron and AD. That was just such a struggle for them. I think we'll go with a D. D? Yeah. Just a big fat D, dude. All right, let's go. Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We could see another hot start and it tapers off at the end there. For the Lakers? Yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely, yeah, just like last year. Right. All right. We got J.A. Right, uh, and the Grizzlies. Yep, we're moving on to the Grizzlies squad. No, very uneventful, awesome. <laughs> kind of see that coming from a mile away. They already had like just such a deep roster with so many players under contract. There wasn't really much room for them to do anything too crazy. Um, of course, that there was the big trade with the Pelicans, which I guess no better place to start than that. I wasn't such a fan of it. I mean, did they? They definitely marginally improve their treasure trove. I like Steven and Eric. It's not bad. I like Valanciunas a lot better though. And um Yeah, that's I mean, facts. I, I think that if they were to make that trade, I think it would have maybe made more sense to do it on draft night because then you would have known who was available at number 10. If if it really was just trading up to take Zaire Williams, like I'm not I haven't watched a ton of Zaire Williams, but um, people don't seem to be unbelievably impressed with him as a top 10 pick. And so, yeah, I think that trade was not a pretty big loss for them, especially considering by the time Adams um, is off the books, because he just remember he inked that extension with New Orleans last offseason. By the time he's off the books, Morant will have already signed his um, max extension. And so 
this really just bites into um, their flexibility in terms of building their team for the next 10 years, which to um, sacrifice that sort of flexibility for just so little in terms of draft capital. Like they got this, um, they got this kind of like seven spot upgrade in this draft. And then they got, I think it was a protected Lakers pick in the future. Just not worth it, in my opinion. Especially Valanciunas was a very solid player for him too. He was their second best player for most of the year last year. And so I just didn't really understand it. Adams and Bledsoe are both pretty bad fits on this. Um, you think? Especially Bledsoe. Uh, Adams yeah. is going to be fine, especially if Jaron Jackson can be healthy and good all season. Um, Stephen Adams is going to look a lot better there. Eric Bledsoe, there's, I mean, and they already said they want to move on from Bledsoe, so maybe they'll be able to work something out before the season starts. But if they do, keep what could they get? Uh, probably nothing too exciting. Just maybe a player that fit slightly better. No, they're not going to get picks for Bledsoe. Um, yeah, because how old is he? Thirty-one ish. I think he's. I think they're maybe a little younger, but he's just on such a big contract that he's kind of been going downhill the past couple seasons. So I don't really know who's going to be too excited to trade for him. I think it, I think that's kind of um, getting too far downfield to sort of discuss potential Bledsoe trades. But uh, other than just noting that it is a possibility and something they've I just think reportedly uh, yeah. been interested in. Yeah. I just like Adams. You know what you're going to get from him, bro? Yeah, I think he's definitely a better defensive center than Valanciunas. I don't think he fits what the Grizzlies do quite as well. Valanciunas is definitely a better offensive center. But, yeah, I don't think that's terrible. I think overall I wouldn't have done the trade. I mean, I'm all for young teams like the Grizzlies taking more of a uh, long-sided approach, but that's just taking it a bit too far, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. to – to give up that much flexibility and give up such a good player in Valanciunas for just okay draft compensation. Like no, that's not too exciting to me. I think, I think that was a little bit over the top. And then another one that was sort of like that, where they traded away a perfectly capable player for basically nothing is the um, Grayson Allen trade. Yeah. They gave Grayson Allen to the Bucks for Sam Merrill. And I think it was two second round picks, but neither of them were much quality and um yeah just another one right it's kind of scratching my head that i'm um that could be an example of the grizzlies front office just taking the club out of taylor jenkins bag like maybe they just thought that grayson allen was getting too much playing time and if they trade him away it'll kind of force taylor jenkins to give more run to like the desmond baines and zaire desmond and like the anthony melton so that could be what was going on there. But I mean, still, you couldn't have gotten a better deal for Grayson Allen. That was, that was a little bit surprising to me. I, I did not, I did not like that trade one bit. Um, yeah. They did not do anything in free agency. So those two trades basically were the um, entirety of the Grizzlies offseason, besides the draft picks of Zaire Williamson and Santi Aldama with the 30th overall pick. I don't know much about him. So but we'll be curious to see how he plays in summer league. But yeah, I think we can wrap it up from Memphis. Do you have any thoughts on them? No. One quick question for me. Like how valuable are second round picks? Um, like not, how often do you actually hit legit on a second rounder? Yeah, not that often. The picks that are like between 31 and 40 
are somewhat valuable, but anything that's like full, below 40 is just pretty much completely um, useless. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah. All right. What's your grade? I'll give the Grizzlies. I'll give them a D. All right. Back to back D's. All right. We're moving on to the Pelicans. Right. All right. Let's go to Minnesota first. Oh yeah. Minnesota. Let's go. And Minnesota is another team who did pretty much nothing. We won't stay on them for very long. The biggest thing was just trading Ricky Rubio to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and getting Torian Prince back in return. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> they didn't have any draft picks, which is shocking for a team that was as bad as they were last year. For real. Draft picks doesn't look great. Um, but again, it just goes to show how bad that the Angelo Russell trade was for them. Maybe they'll maybe they'll bring back Jordan McLaughlin at some point. That wouldn't surprise me. But um, overall, like the Torian Prince trade, I thought that was solid. A lot of people were kind of giving the Timberwolves a hard time for that. But they got a player who I think fits them better because they were in desperate need of forwards. Like and Rubio really had no spot in that rotation because they really and they're they're going to be bringing Leandro Bolmaro back. Um, he was their late first round pick. Um, back in 2020 and he spent last year overseas but he's going to be coming over to the NBA this year so that just adds another guard into their rotation they've still got obviously D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, possibly Jordan McLaughlin they're just a very crowded guard rotation there and there's really no place for Ricky Rubio so they got a player who's cheaper and Torian Prince plays a um, position of need for them he plays because you can kind of cycle between either of the forward spots and they got a second-round pick for doing that trade. And so I thought that was a pretty big win for Minnesota, even though I think in a vacuum, Prince is probably a slightly worse player than Ricky Rubio. I still like that quite a bit for them, and that's all they did this offseason. So I think we'll give them – I think a, I think a B. I think, I, I think they had a pretty good offseason. All right. We'll give them Obviously, a B. Obviously, they didn't do anything too crazy, but – right. Real talk right now. What team are you most excited for to play with in the new um, 2K game? And don't uh, give me that Blazer uh, shit, dude. Let's see. When is 2K even coming out? Is that imminent? That's usually in October, right? Probably. Uh, let's see. What team is going to be the most excited? I think the Kings. I, I always yes, like sir. the Kings. Yeah, they're going to be fun. Is Hassan on the Kings? No, he's on the Jazz now. Oh, okay, he was, right? Yeah, he was last year. Yeah, okay. Damn. That's actually not that bad of a pickup for the Jazz. No. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I always, uh, yeah, like you said, rim protection until you yeah. win championships, baby. Yeah, perfectly good backup center. It'll be interesting to see if it's him or Azubuke. But, oh, yeah. Um, all right. Pelicans? So let's, let's get into the Grizzlies trade partner. Um, we talked about the Grizzlies a couple minutes ago. So I guess we'll move on to the Pelicans, who took with the 17th pick. A player who, I mean, I don't know much about either of these guys, but just from what I've seen in like short, like 20 minute YouTube videos and from summer league. So short far, 20 minute YouTube videos. Like, you know, just the highlight videos from college and stuff. But yeah. just from those little YouTube videos and from right. summer league. Um, like, I think I like Trey Murphy maybe a little bit better than Zaire Williams. And so to get him at 17 after trading down, and he fits what they're doing so well too. Uh, a great shooter can defend the wing position. I, I really like the pick of Trey Murphy. 
getting Herb Jones at number 35, indifferent about that. Um, and then getting Jonas Valanciunas in the trade um, with the Grizzlies. I like Valanciunas quite a bit. I don't know if that's the best center you could pair next to Zion. We've talked so long about how you need a rim protector who can hit threes to play next, for Zion, next to Zion. And Valanciunas can't really do either of those things. He definitely is a better three-point shooter than most centers, certainly a better three-point shooter than Steven Adams, but you can measure his release with like a sundial. It's so slow, which means he doesn't, <laughs> get, he doesn't get off too many a game. And so then you're kind of just, you're not really getting the spacing element anyway. I'm a worse, a worse defender than Adams as we already discussed. And so I think that's a slight upgrade for them. And I think the yeah. trade was a win for them because they, got off so much money, which allowed them to do other things in this offseason. But overall, I don't really think Valanciunas is going to make their team too much better. I like the Devontae pickup. Yeah, I was originally a bit um, pessimistic about that just because of giving up a first to get him. But when it turned out, it was a lottery protected first. And what did the Devontae Graham contract end up being? Was that like, it was three years. No, 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 no. It says no. It it says four forty-seven million. Yeah. Four years, forty-seven. I mean, that's that's a, quite a bit of Devontae Graham, but I, I think that's I think that's probably just fine. Uh, and they got Tomas Sadaransky as well as part of the Lonzo Ball sign and trade, and Garrett Temple, who I don't know whether whether or not he'll really factor into the rotation. But yeah, I just don't know where they're going with this. They, I mean, they got a bit more shooting around Zion Williamson, I guess, but they were already one of the worst defensive teams last year, and they. Definitely on much worse on that end, but training away Steven Adams and Lonzo Ball, probably the two best defenders on the team. So that is a little bit troubling. Whether or not yeah. they got better, I think is that's kind of up in the air. I'm still waiting to see. I'm sure they'll at this point they'll probably bring back Josh Hart, but that contract still has yet to be signed. Um, what do you think of their offseason? I like it. Devonte, I'm a big fan of Malik and like Devonte, those kind of guys. Jonas, I don't really like him very much because he's just he's kind of annoying, bro. But I don't know. I don't really. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky is pretty good, right? It does. He hits three balls, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's another one. He won't take too many of them each game, but he he hits them at a pretty high clip, and he's a very good, just sort of floor general. Um, yeah. Just kind of feel take care of the offense, which. I mean, I think they need someone <laughs> like that, especially to play with, like, um, if they're planning on playing, like, Kyra Lewis or Nikhil Alexander-Walker on yeah. major leagues this year. Um, Devontae Graham as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, it's hard to know where the, this is a very weird team right now. What's their hard starting to, lineup looking like now? I bet it'll probably be, that's a good question. It'll probably be. Does Devontae start at the one? one? Probably. We'll probably need Devontae Graham. And then who knows who they'll play at shooting guard. And then Brandon Ingram, Zion Williams, and Jonas Valanciunas. Damn, that's not amazing. <laughs> and I mean, maybe Zion takes another step forward and they look pretty good. But he also is healthy all of last year, which is probably something that's unrealistic to expect this year. Yeah. Um, this will be an interesting team to talk about when we do our team previews because I really yeah. have no idea what to expect and all that. Yeah, we can about the Pelicans a lot more between now and then. But for now, do you have any more thoughts before we give out a grade? 
just one thought is that the Blazers throw out a 2026 second round pick. <laughs> Dude, like that's so far away, bro. Like what? Like that's oh, insane. Just keep, yeah. what's as what's as far out as you can go? Because that's a random ass year. 2028. Huh? 2028? That's crazy, yeah, man. You're just like scouting these dude. Yeah, they they're in like middle school, and you're just like, <laughs> bro, that's crazy. A 2026 second round pick via the Blazers. That's insane. I can't wait to talk about the Bulls when we do the East. Oh, that's, yeah. that's gonna be yeah, kind of fun. Bulls, yeah, the the it's most exciting stuff happening in the Eastern Conference this year for sure. The Bulls, the Bulls will spare them their um. We'll spare them their criticism, I guess, for another day. But yeah, they will be an interesting one to talk about. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, for the Pelicans, I guess we'll give them a. I I I really did like the Stephen Adams trade. I thought I thought that was a pretty low price to pay to get off of all of that guaranteed money and getting Tomas. Like it was pretty clear Lonzo Ball was out the door, so getting Tomas Sadaransky, I think, is a perfectly capable rotation player back. Nothing wrong with that. He'll be a player that they'll be able to trade for maybe a second round pick if they want to at some point. So that looks decent. Um, Trey Murphy at number 17 overall. I thought that was an awesome pickup for them. Devontae Graham. Uh, that's, you know, we'll, we'll see on that one. Um, I, I think that one looks a lot better because it's a protected first round pick, but 12 million a year is quite a lot for yeah. Devontae. I think they'll get a C plus from me. Okay. C plus, baby. Pelicans, not bad, not good, but yeah. And then right. next, the Thunder, who are kind of in the same boat as the Houston Rockets, kind of low key. Yeah, just another one of those rebuilding teams. Probably going to be a while before we see them play competitive basketball again. But I think maybe the most notable thing that we can start out with is the uh, Kimba Walker trade. They got Kimba yep. Walker from the Celtics in exchange. And they also got um, the Celtics first round pick and they had to give up Al Horford and Moses Brown. So that was a pretty good piece of business for them. Obviously they already got off of Kimba Walker's salary. And so I think that looks even better. They were able to get a buyout for him, which I think that is a good move for OKC for a variety of reasons, which, We'll get into later. And they were able to get another first-round pick, which, I mean, I think, obviously, that's kind that's of always good. Now, right now. And they were able to take Trey Mann with that selection. They also took Josh Giddy at number six, Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 32, and Aaron Wiggins at 55. So, all in all, um, Giddy is a guy who I really didn't know much about before this year. He played, obviously, overseas. In Australia, kind of a playmaking forward in the mold of like a Kyle Anderson, Joe Ingle. Joe Ingle is one of those type of guys. Um, still very young. Uh, so pretty high upside pick just because those um, ball handlers with a lot of size, like those guys are always seem to be like the best players in the NBA. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I remember. LeBron or KD. So to get a guy who has some offensive skill, with that size, it's a high upside pick. What were you going to say? Giddy's good passer. Yeah, good passer. 
still working on his shots, still working on his defense, but he's still obviously, like I said, so young. I, I think that's a just just a fine pick uh, on number six. No, no problem with that. Trey Mann at number 18. I'm not a very big Trey Mann fan. Um, he's just so slight in his frame, not a very good passer. Uh, the shot and that quick release and the range is really the only thing he's got going for him right now. So he's never really going to be able to have any sort of like inside game. I don't think so. Best case scenario, maybe you're looking at like Devontae Graham 2.0, which with the um, 18th overall pick, so that's just a fine outcome. So I wasn't crazy about them taking Trey Man at number 18. Yeah. And then Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, and Aaron Wiggins with the second round picks. I don't really have anything to say about that. Right. Yeah. And but, aside, okay. so aside got, from that, they got the max extension with Jay Field, just Alexander, after there were rumors that he might be traded. That wound up not being the case. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty pretty good. I I surely wouldn't be looking to trade him. They got Mike Muscal for two more years at $3.5 million each year. I don't really know quite where they're going with that. Maybe they just think it's helpful to have kind of this veteran in the locker room who can kind of shoot and shoot at the power forward or center position and make things easier for the young guys. So I I bet that's kind of what they were thinking with that. Um, brought in Tony, or no, they um, let Tony Bradley walk rather to Chicago, um, which I mean, obviously nothing to really say about that. They didn't really need him back whatsoever. I think the Kemba Walker buyout was a smart move by them um, just because I think they learned their lesson the last few years where they had these veterans like Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari and Al Horford and they kind of prevented them from bottoming out in the way they truly wanted to. So this year they kind of just cut bait on Kemba Walker like before he had a chance to win the mini games because, you know, uh, Kemba Walker, Shea Gildas, Alexander backcourt, that's all of a sudden looking like not too bad and so yeah exactly i think i think that was a very conscious decision by them to ensure the outcome that kimba never plays a game in a thunder uniform mm-hmm. and so nothing wrong with that oh uh, i should have mentioned before they were also able to get uh Derek favors in a trade with the jazz for of course uh yet another first round pick which i mean that's exactly what they should be doing like i think mm-hmm. that they have the cap space for it so that's a that's a perfectly fine that's a perfectly fine move as well. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts about the Thunder? No. I think that they did fine. You got to lock up Shea. I yeah. thought they maybe parted with the uh, 16th overall pick a little bit too easy. The one that became Alfred Shangdon. And they just got too like, mediocre first-round picks. But I, I, I probably, if I were in their shoes, maybe just would have taken Shangdon at that pick. I mean, That's the Rockets pick that then they traded it to the Rockets. So I'm not a huge fan of that. Eventually they're gonna to have to start turning some of these picks into players, but right. Um they definitely have their eyes set on another year of tanking for um 2021-22, which is probably the right move. All for this offseason though, uh, bringing back Shea, that's good. I mean that's kind of a foregone conclusion because there were the trade rumors that were kind of a thing for like two days before the draft. And obviously those never came to fruition in terms of what they got in the draft. Josh Giddy's fine. Not really crazy about Trey Mann. Um, the free agency was pretty black. Uh, buying out Kimball Walker was something I think they had to do. I'll give them, I'll give them a C plus as well. Yeah. All right. 
C plus. Locking it in. All right. Now on to the Phoenix Suns, who I, I think they had a very good free agency. I think one of the best ones, in fact. Uh, the trade for Landry Shamit, I wasn't super crazy about that one. I mean, Shamit's a fine player, but I mean, I I forget what they gave gave up for him. I think it was maybe as two second round picks. It was either two second round picks. Yeah, I actually think you're right about the two second round picks because I remember seeing that trade and I was kind of surprised that yeah, they got so I think that might be that's quite a lot to give up for Landry Shamit. I mean, you could have just brought back Wayne Ellington, honestly, and gotten just about the same thing without the picks. But I mean, adding another sort of pseudo young player to the rotation, I guess nothing wrong. But like you can kind of see where they're going with that. Uh, the, where they really sh- um, had a good offseason was in free agency, I thought. Uh, campaign was it two years, 18 million for campaign. Chris Paul was four years, 120, but with uh, um, creative structure for the last two years of that contract. Javel McBee, I thought they really obviously needed a backup center after what happened to them when Aiden was off the court in the finals last year and they got that guy with Javel McGee, who I think is a very solid fit. And then Abdel Nader, two years, four million with the team option. Like that's awesome value too. So really four very solid signings in free agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting Chris Paul is crucial to their success, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Cameron Payne's good. And then JaVale, yeah. it's always great to have a length. Yeah, I, I I actually think they had a pretty good free agency. That's good. And, and JaVale even Land- will fit pretty well in the pick and roll with yeah. Chris Paul and campaign. I don't know that they just let Tory Craig walk, but they do still have Abdel Nader, who can kind of slot into that similar role. And getting Abdel Nader on only $2 million a year, that's very good value as well. Um so yeah, um, the Chris Paul, like I said, four years, 120 million, but the third year is only 15 million guaranteed, and the fourth year is completely unguaranteed. So if he starts to look a little bit, um, a little bit like if he starts to look like he's declining after the first two years of that contract, that'll be pretty easy to, <clears throat> to just get rid of him. So uh, they yeah. gave themselves an out there. And yeah, they definitely showed a willingness to spend by bringing back Chris Paul and a lot of money and using other resources that were available to them. So that is exciting. And yeah, I think overall, B plus for their offseason this year. Actually, no, you know what? I think I think we'll give them an A minus. No, yeah, we'll give them an A minus as well. This was a this was a very solid offseason for the Phoenix Suns. A minus for the Suns. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers. Yet another team with a relatively um uninteresting offseason. They were able to trade a future second to draft Greg Brown at number 43 overall. Don't really know a lot about him. He's been impressive athletically through his first two G League games. So there's some intrigue there, but um he is surely we won't be seeing him on the court this season. Um, three really good free agency signings and Cody Zeller, Tony Snell, and Ben McLemore. They also brought back Norman Powell for five years, $90 million. And that was the extent of the Trailblazers offseason expenditures. Uh, any thoughts off the bat, Colin? Um, I like Ben McLemore. Yeah, and I, he was probably of the three new guys 
in terms of the minimum signings, the one I was less crazy about, you know, I'm a big Tony Snell fan. I think he slots in very naturally on the wings. Uh, Cody Zeller is probably the best backup center the Blazers have had in quite some time. Um, uh, ben McLemore, he, he's a talented player for sure. Good value on the minimum. Like, I, I think there are a number of other teams in the NBA, um, notably the last team he was on, who probably should have been happy to have him for that amount. But for Portland, I just don't really know if it makes another makes sense to have another guy under six foot three who can't really defend, which is what Ben McLemore would be. But yeah, um, just adding some depth to the guard rotation, not too bad. How old's Tony? Let me check. I think he's twenty eight. Okay, not bad. No, he's twenty nine. Not bad. Nine. Okay, yeah, that's not bad. Cody Zeller is twenty eight. Uh, Norman Powell in his mid to late twenties as well, and so the Blazers get um like they're not old, but I mean CJ and Dame are starting to get up there. I think they definitely fixed fixed what was the biggest problem last year, which was the bench defense where they were shouting out Ennis Cantor and Cody Zeller. They or Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony rather. Now it's going to be Cody Zeller and probably one of um Tony Snell and see a little Derek Jones Jr. at the power forward. That will be much improved defensively as long as Zeller's healthy, but they also sacrifice some health at the five because over the last two years they've had Hassan Whiteside and Ennis Cantor who are both iron men, especially relative to the rest of the Central mm-hmm. position, and now who knows how many games they'll have this year where both Dollar and Nurkic are healthy, and there's not really much in terms of size behind those two. So um, that definitely seems like a bit of a soft spot on the roster. Yeah, I think the Blazers are going to be fire this year, and it's hard to know too where the shot creation is coming from on the bench unit because they've got Anthony Simons, they've got Tony Snell. Um, both of those guys are great shooters, and this year a little as well. He can shoot the ball um, pretty well. Ben McLemore, too, I should have mentioned him. But not really a lot of creation. So you think they'll probably go back to staggering Damon CJ, which um, that's fine. I don't think that's ever been the Trailblazers' first choice to have to do that. But, I mean, it has worked for them in the past. But um, do you think the Blazers got better as a result of this offseason? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, you have, like, Cody Zeller's a pretty good big man. And especially that's going to be good especially if uh what's his face is unhealthy yet again huh yeah oh or even what's uh what's his name bro um man that never plays from gonzaga oh zach collins yeah Yeah, he got signed by the spurs though he's on the spurs now wait that's sick he's actually a perfect spur i like that i like that pick for that pickup for them i don't know we're kind of sad to see him go was I sad to see him go? Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, it just wasn't really working out with him in Portland. Though, yeah. So it kind of makes sense. But Dang, how recent was that? That he got signed? Yeah. Uh, it was like it a was couple on, weeks ago? Yeah, it was on the first day of free agency. Damn, that's crazy. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't, bro, like the NBA is almost the only, um, besides Warriors stuff, I don't get any alerts or like anything. So I have like lost sometimes with some of these trade acquisitions or even like free agency signings. But yeah, that's cool. I like Cody Zeller, but Norman Powell, I'm, I, when he was on, because I didn't really watch him on the Blazers too much, but when the Warriors played like Toronto, he's, 
I like him. He's not yeah. he's not Gary Trent, but he's 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 a good player. Yeah, and five years that's a lot of Norman Powell because <laughs> you think Damian Lillard probably won't be on the team by the end of that contract, and so I don't really know where they're quite going there. But um, you know, I get I better to bring him back than losing for nothing, and so that's what they had to do. And I mean, he's getting paid like no more than Gary Trent, Tim Hardaway Jr., Evan Fournier. That was just kind of the going rate for shooting guards. And that's what the Blazers paid for Norman Powell, $18 million a year. And so I think that's a fine contract to have him on. Obviously, Cody Zeller is a tremendous bargain for the minimum, as is Tony Snell for the minimum. And so those are two very good signings. But the Blazers, it's just hard to say they got that much better this year. So I think we'll give them a... I feel like they kind of... They just retained a little bit. Yeah. I think we'll give them a C minus for the soft season. All right. C minus. All right. Now moving on to the one that got away. Yep. The Sacramento Kings. Who Davion Mitchell. <laughs> yep. They brought they brought in Davion Mitchell. Watch this kid yeah. win rookie of the year, bro. Oh, he won't win rookie of the year. Yo, he's bro. Gonna... He's gonna have a good season, I'm telling you. He's not going to play enough to win rookie of the year. I, I, I love him so much. He's be coming off the bench, but yeah, that was a that was an interesting pick because I do like Davion Mitchell, but he doesn't really fit on the team where they have just recently dropped two young guards that they like, and he was a bit of a reach at number nine. Like I don't think most people expected him to get picked until like the late lottery. So to pick him up in the top ten felt a little, little bit reachy. But I mean, he's a very good player. He's a great in summer league so far. So. It's, it's tough to really criticize him for it. I think that is just fine. He'll be a solid part of their bench unit this year. So he's going to be a good player. Um, they re-signed Mo Harkless two years, six million. They brought back old friend Alex Lynn. Um, they got Rashawn Holmes on a contract that was a bargain, four years, fifty-five million. I think that was a home run, and then they um, retained Terrence Davis, and they also made a trade for Tristan Thompson, where they sent. Uh, DeLon Wright to the Atlanta Hawks. Yep. Uh, so the Davion Mitchell pick was solid. I don't really so know much sad. about Nunez Kita, um, so I won't really commentate on their second round pick whatsoever. Um, Mo Harkless bringing him back. That's just pretty ho-hum. Um, bringing in Alex Lynn to be Rashawn Holmes' backup. Um, and that's mean that they're planning on playing Marvin Bagley at power forward for the most part this season, which I don't really think that's a good idea. Um, so we'll see how it goes, I guess. I, I would imagine they're still listening to trade offers on Bagley, but it doesn't really seem like this um, market ever really materialized to this mm-hmm. offseason. Getting Rashawn Holmes four years, 55 million, I thought that was one of the best deals of the offseason. I would have wished that... Um, maybe like the Hornets or somebody, Raptors maybe, would have made him an offer at that price. But for the Kings to get him back for that little, um, it's a massive win for them. And then they brought back Terrence Davis. That That's just fine. I think their, their guard rotation is just so crowded now between Fox, who obviously um, they're very high on, gave the max extension to. They got Halliburton, who was the – runner-up for Rookie of the Year, I want to say. And obviously, at a very successful first campaign. They dropped the Davion Mitchell in the top 10. Uh, they're paying a lot of money to Buddy Heald, who's still on the team for now. And then they brought back Terrence Davis. So it'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out. They already 
um, have had one casualty from the backcourt, and that's still on, right? Who they sent to the Hawks for yet another center, Tristan Thompson, to, I guess, compliment or Sean Holmes and Alex Lynn. And they weren't even able to get a pick in that transaction, which was surprising because Wright is quite a bit better than Thompson and plays a more valuable position. But I think they just weren't negotiating from a position of power with the um, myriad other guards on the roster. So what are your thoughts on the Sacramento offseason? I think they're going to be a solid team this year. That's all I know. I think they could even make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they'll definitely be competing on like the periphery of that um, sort of play-in conversation. So I agree. They'll they'll be fun to watch. Um, in terms of an off-season grade, I think I'll give them. I think I'll give them a B plus. I I like the Mitchell pick, and the home spin is just a grand slam home run. So. Mm-hmm. I think, or no, I'll give them a B. I can't give them a B plus. Just I'll just give them a B because the DeLon Wright trade, I wasn't a fan of that at all. All right. All right. We've got the Spurs, baby. Yep, two more teams to go. Um, starting off with the Spurs, who I did not understand their offseason very much. They went into <laughs> the offseason with just about as much cap space as anybody and left with Doug McDermott, Zach Collins, and Bryn Ford. <laughs> not incredible um they also got chandler hutchinson uh as part of that um russell westbrook trade branched out into san antonio chandler hutchinson was just a way to sort of make the money work because obviously once the wizards brought in spencer dinwiddie the uh the bill got quite high in washington and so they had to offload hutchinson but that's neither here nor there he doesn't um does doesn't seem like he'll factor into what the spurs are doing very much so they drafted Josh Primo at number 12, which I think that was one of the biggest shocks of the draft. Um, Primo was not expected to go anywhere near that high. They got Wieskamp, who's a very solid shooter, but um, to be determined what else he can do. That's who they picked at number 41. In free agency, they brought in Doug McDermott. I want to say that was three years, $36 million. Uh, they brought They brought um, on Zach Collins, three years, $22 million. Old friend Bryn Forbes is going to be making his return to San Antonio. And they also brought in Jock Randale, who's a center from Australia. Yeah. Dude, I've never heard of that Primo kid. Yeah. Uh, he's only, I want to say, 18 years old. He was the youngest player in the draft. And um, so he has a lot of upside, but he's going to be a project for sure. And uh, he's not going to get on the court this year at all because I mean they already have like Jonte Murray and Derek Wyatt and they drafted Trey Jones last year so it's already a little bit crowded back there um but yeah, yeah Dejounte's a freak show he's so good yeah that was a surprising one for sure um them signing Doug McDermott and Zach Collins with their cap space was a bit surprising like I'm, I would have expected them like maybe find a way to get like Larry Mark and then there or I don't know. Oh, some, yeah. Something that would have been maybe a bit of a better. Like Zach Collins, I, I like that one because um, they, they're just not paying too much for him. I mean, they're paying a lot for Zach Collins. Like $7 million was way more than I expected Collins to get. But overall, like in the grand scheme of things, like $7 million isn't impacting your plans very much. And if Collins can get healthy again and kind of return to the form he was out in like 2019, that's going to be a pretty good value for the Spurs. So that's kind of just like 
a bet on their medical staff, if anything. The Doug McDermott one was really the one that I didn't think made much sense because like he's already, I think like 28 and he's kind of just shown what he can do in the NBA and that's shoot the ball. And I don't really know if that's worth like $36 million. He's not like a Duncan Robinson, like Davis Bertans, Joe Harris level of shooter or anything like that. I mean, he's not even paid like those guys either, but I just don't really know how valuable that archetype of player is that you're going to like use your cap space on that kind of guy, as opposed to somebody who maybe has a bit higher upside with this core they have going on right now. But I do think McDermott's going to probably help him in a few more games uh, this, this season. And I think the real, um, the real success of their off season was the DeRozan sign and trade because they got yeah. a haul for DeMar DeRozan. Um, a future first-round pick from the Wolves, I don't know for sure, but I imagine that will be Chicago's 2025 first-round pick. That's the first one that they have available for trade after um, the Vucevic deal with the Magic. And also two second-round picks. Dad Young, who you imagine will be able to turn him into a first-round pick, should they want to at a later point. And then Alfred Camino, who... Um, like it's just kind of dead money at this point, but it's also an expiring contract, so not too bad there. Um, that was a massive win for him, and a massive like what a misstep by Chicago. But we're talking about mm-hmm. the Spurs right now, and so just um a haul for a guy who I'm sure they would have been just fine waving goodbye to, but instead they get three draft picks and that young who's likely to become a fourth draft pick. So I I think that is. Um, doing most of the heavy lifting for the Spurs offseason. Yeah. What would you give him? I think without considering the DeRozan sign-in trade, they'd be looking at like a D. But with the DeRozan sign-in trade, I think I'm going to give him a B-. minus. I, I think that was just a very good piece of business for him. Okay. A B? Yeah, B-, minus. I think. Okay. All right, and we're down to our last team, the Utah Jazz, who um, had a pretty solid offseason as well. Yes. They drafted Jared Butler um, with a pick they uh, traded down for. I forget I forget who that trade was. Oh, it was with the Grizzlies. Because the Jazz had the 30th overall pick, and they um, traded it for seconds and cash, and they were able to take Jared Butler, which – I think that's a great pick because, like, if the health concerns, if Jared Butler is able to overcome those, like, he's definitely a first-round talent who probably would have been worth more than the 30th overall pick, and they're getting him in the 40s. So I think that's a massive win. Uh, Conley on the deal, they were able to sign him to three years, $68 million. I mean, when you look at the money that, like, Kyle Lowry, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Chris Paul got, I mean, totally reasonable for Mike Conley, he was a big part of what they did last year. And so awesome pickup there. Uh, Rudy Gay with the mid-level, fine. Like, I'm fine with that. Um, would I have rather kept George Niang or Rudy Gay? I think that's a pretty close call. I think I'd probably have Niang. I'd probably rather have Niang, just a slightly better shooter, a little bit younger, a little bit like neither of them are. Um, neither of them are the definition of athleticism or anything like that, but uh, Niang has a little bit more, um, just a little bit more bounce in his step, a little mm. bit younger. They were able to get 
Hassan Whiteside to be their backup center for one year. Um, I don't know if they really have plans on playing, you know, to as a bouquet or Whiteside. Um, either way, Whiteside for the minimum is a pretty good signing in my opinion. And they traded a first round pick to get rid of Derek Davis, which um, uh, that's real. That that's real. I I would be inclined to criticize them for that, but that's more damning of their 2020 offseason, in my opinion, because I mean, that's when they signed Derek Davis and the contract was so bad. They're paying to get rid of him one year later, but that really has more to do with what they did last year than it does this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The jazz are going to be a fun team to watch. Hopefully they don't, I don't know. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. I think think they're in position to be as good as they were last year, but last year they, um, just benefited so much by from being like the only healthy team. Yeah. Um, like they're unlikely to have that kind of luck again this year. And obviously Conley's one year older. Um, my, but I mean, Mitchell got better towards the end of last season. He seems right. like he might be um, ready to take the next step this year, hopefully. Um, especially the shooting, like the three-point shooting was, he, he finished his season on a hot streak, at least before he got injured in that Clippers um series so it'll be interesting to see how he starts out this next season yeah. uh yeah i mean the conley contract like i said before totally reasonable price to pay for mike conley right. i was pretty excited for them when i saw how much um that ended up being 22 mil a year uh white side totally adequate backup center uh jared butler great value at 40 i think this was a very solid offseason obviously you hate to lose a first round pick over the Derek favors overpay but again, that that's more to do with what happened last season. And obviously people got fired over Utah's offseason last year. So no need to uh no need to criticize them for that again. Right. That's crazy. Who lost their job? Just in front uh, of those people? Yeah, Dennis Lindsay. Damn. That sucks. Yeah. I mean it was pretty bad though. Yeah. It's insane. What would you give them? I think for this year. I think I think they deserve a I think I think they deserve an A minus. I, I think this was a very solid offseason. Okay. Well no Fs, which is always an upside, right? Yep, just wait till we get to the Eastern Conference, I guess. <laughs> okay. I, I was tempted to give the Lakers an F just because of how disastrous the Westbrook trade was, but give them a just, D minus. They just found so much value in free agency that I had to knock him up one pick. Yeah. Should we run through, should we run, run through the grades one last time? Yeah, if you want. So you gave you want me to just say them? I wrote them down. Yeah. All right. So you gave the Warriors a B minus, the Mavs a C, the Nugs get a C, the Rockets get an A minus, the Clips get an A minus, the Lakers get a D, Memphis gets a D, <laughs> T Wolves get a B, Pelicans get C plus, and the Thunder do as well. The Suns got an A minus, the Blazers got a C minus. The Kings got a B, Spurs got a B minus, and the Jazz ended up A minus. I think that's a pretty good distribution of grades. I, I agree. Out of the th- out of the three A's, what one do you think was best? So the A's were Utah, Jazz. Utah Clippers, and Suns, right? Uh, and Rockets. Oh yeah. Utah. Oh wait, no. Yeah, yeah. You had the Jazz got an A, Suns got an A, Rockets got an A, and Clips got an A. I think I'd probably have to go with. I think I'd, I think the Rockets was the most impactful in terms of like the future of their franchise, just because they got so much talent. But I think overall, in terms of doing the most with the resources they had, 
I think I'd go with the Clippers. Okay. And out of the D's? I mean, the Lakers were the worst. But you think they're worse than the Memphis? Yeah. There you go. All right. The Westbrook trade, I uh, this would be a fun podcast to do. I don't know if I'll have time for it, but just ranking the biggest disasters of the offseason. But the Westbrook trade was right up there with the Jordan signing, in my yeah. opinion. And the Jared, the, just a little preview, three worst things, and this is just off the cuff, so I might be forgetting something. In which case, I apologize, but I would say DeRozan signings, the worst thing that happened. Westbrook trades the second worst. Jared Allen signings, third worst. Where did Jared Allen go? Cows, they kept him, but oh, okay. five, five years, $100 million. Shoot. That's a lot for Jared Allen. Yeah. That's, that's over twice what Rashawn Holmes got. Baby, that's crazy. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah, and we then, should, you should do podcasts on and that. And then they used the third overall pick on another center. So they, they drafted a center in the top five, and then they paid $100 million to another center. So it's tough to figure out what they've got going on in Cleveland. For real. But I think the distribution of grades is fantastic. Nobody yeah. got in, nobody got a solid, just straight up A, though. No. Nobody uh, got an A, plus. no one was outstanding. But nobody got an E and F, but the I Lakers think, came close to it. I think if we were to do the Eastern Conference, we might see a few pure A's and a few F's. Mm-hmm. Overall, the I would say that the Western got did a decent job. Yeah, I think it's a good bell curve they've got going on. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, this was a good one, I think. Yeah. I'm going to make a post about it and then put all the teams in there, like grades and stuff. All right, sweet. All right. We'll do the East soon, and then, yeah, whatever other ideas you have. We'll I do. think I think we should do the team previews again. That It was fun you, last year when we yeah. did the over-unders, I thought, and we made, like, the spreadsheet and stuff. I thought those were fun episodes. I agree. Should we do, like, do you want to do all 15 at a time, or do you want to, like, break them up? Oh, for the team previews? Yeah. I think we should do them like, uh, like we did last year, where we did one Western Conference and one Eastern Conference. Perfect. Okay, like, sweet. That was the most fun. It had good pacing to it, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I'll have I wanna put there's like this one cool website called like playoff predictors, and I kinda wanna like go through it even though it'd take a long time. But like I could get like an, I'd go through and like pick the games. It'll take forever, but I, I kinda I kinda wanna NBA. do it. Huh? For the NBA. Yeah. Oh, that would that would take forever. Yeah, that, that would, would take a fat though. minute. But I kinda low key wanna do it. Yeah, that would be cool. And then you could use it for like your predictions. <laughs> no, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, sure. that would be fun. Mm-hmm. But okay, right. this was a good one. I'll get it. I'll try. I did one yesterday with Bianca, so I'm going to try to get both of them up today. All right, perfect. Thank you All for right. having me on. Yeah, I know. I missed you. Yeah. All right, bye. All right, yeah.